1: Before the Small Giants Leadership Academy, Travis struggled with emotional intelligence.
0: For one, I wasn't aware of my own uh, feelings surrounding any given situation, but I didn't care about anyone else's either.
1: We know a very different Travis today.
0: What was so right about Small Giants was it's authentic just plain, true, authentic. Hey, we're talking about our purpose. We're gonna really talk about why we exist and how we're gonna empower that for the longevity of the organization. It was just very clear that there was more to this experience and more to why we exist as human beings. I've been able to reach out to people in my cohort um, and talk about things that I'm experiencing. And how else would I have been able to do that to have a call with somebody and Oklahoma or Michigan, and that community piece really made all the difference. It's very clear that the community is so strong and there's so many resources there that you don't get anywhere else.
1: We're now recruiting for the next class of the Small Giants Leadership Academy. Learn more at smallgiants.org.
0: My guest today is Emily Tetto, VP of Talent and Culture at Acceleration Partners, Emily oversees many areas of people operations, including recruiting, training, and professional development. She's a two-time instructor with the Small Giants Leadership Academy, and we're thrilled to have her on the podcast. Welcome, Emily.
1: Thank you, Paul. I'm excited to be here.
0: First, I want to dig into your title because I bet lots of people would love to have the title as VP of Talent and Culture. Tell us what that stands for, what that really means at Acceleration Partners.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks so much. So VP of Talent and Culture, it's been a little bit of evolution, I think, for our department over over time. But really from the early stages when we were a much smaller uh, company, we always had a focus on talent and on people. And there was so much that, that came under that. Uh, it's not just recruiting. It's not just onboarding and training. It's the person holistically as an individual, and the the professional development and, and everything that touches them on their career journey with us. So, mm-hmm. talent and culture really for us helped to you know p- put it, put our arms around everything that 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 fell under. So their experience here, the culture of the organization, the individual people. Um, that's really where it it sort of came from, but similarly to, I think what you might hear people ops, um, and other organizations. That was our, this is our people ops.
0: Yeah. You're starting to hear that, um, the, those terms more and more. What does acceleration partners do?
1: So we are a digital marketing agency, um, and we focus specifically on the channel of performance marketing, um, online marketing, um, where we help our customers um, and our clients find partners online to support the growth of their business.
0: Oh, like affiliate programs, yes. things like that? Okay.
1: Yes. Uh, performance marketing, affiliate marketing, um, partner marketing. It's um, very similar.
0: And uh, what's the size of the company today? Number of employees? I don't know if you share revenues, things like that.
1: Uh, we have about, um, I think there's about 175 employees globally today. A uh, majority of them are within the Americas. Um, that's the, uh, about how many people we have globally.
0: Okay. And, um, is your position part of Um, a traditional HR department? Are you separate? How do you sit within the organization?
1: I actually, we are very integrated within the organization. So I sit um, on our senior leadership team with uh, leaders in sales, marketing, our managing directors uh, that we have uh, around the globe, our chief client officer. So we all work really closely together. And then my team consists of HR, recruiting, Um, career development, training, all those functions all sit within talent and culture.
0: Got it. And how did you, how did your career grow such that you had, you gained this focus um, on talent development? Was it traditional HR? You know, where did you develop this passion for, especially the culture side of the business?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question. And I love talking about my career history and how I got here because I think it is unique and not usually what people are used to hearing. You you know used to traditionally hearing the the path of the HR manager or leader and starting um, as a coordinator and working their way up over time. And my path is a little bit different, um, and I think is what also really shaped my, my passion for it. So I, early on in my career, started on in HR, um, and I worked uh, at the assistant level uh, in global HR and human capital um, at Bain & Company, which is an amazing organization, which is where I first Learned a lot about HR, really got my teeth in it, um, and understood the global nature um, of HR as well. I think having that really unique perspective. And worked in HR for a few years and then decided to take a, a sidestep, if you will, and started to pursue a passion in event marketing. And I worked for many years uh, really through... Um, you know, a good portion of my career in event marketing, and after some time there, and based on some personal decisions, uh, returned to my roots, if you will, and and came back to the people and HR side of things. And looking back on it all, it all totally makes sense to me, and it all fits together as to why I came today. And people think I'm crazy when I say this because you know, event marketing, HR, like how does any of that work together? But what I did is I I worked on really large scale events and complex events and public events, private events, and that type of experience, I was actually exposed to risk management, contracts and negotiation, people's experiences. What are their perceptions? What are they feeling at that event? What are the, what do we want them to walk away with? Um, what are the different, um, pieces of the logistics and how does it all come together? What are the, um, all of the nuts and bolts and, and little pieces of details that have to be buttoned up behind the scenes that no one else knows is happening, but, you know, you have to make sure that that's there. So all of those skills are really transferable from one into the other. Um, so I think it is all of those skills and developing that on that side that I'm able to bring back, back over. And when I think about the culture, it's sort of like this ongoing event that people are coming to every day, um, when they come to work and and what is their experience? What are they feeling? What are we, what are we providing for them as an employer?
0: I love that. Um, and that's the experience is just continual right so exactly uh, yeah and uh, I I love this idea of an ongoing event so um, great experience that led you to where you are today how long have you been with acceleration partners now
1: I've been I think uh, I think this year it'll be about eight years so it's um, yeah I've been with AP since we were just about six or seven people
0: Wow Uh, so you certainly have seen the growth um, if, if I, if I take you back now to, uh, even before this career started and and, uh, and maybe look to some of the early influences in your life, tell me about your upbringing, your parents, you know, obviously now you're sitting on the senior leadership team at this company, making a big impact. Uh, what kind of influences did you have maybe your from your parents, uh, early childhood years?
1: Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, both of my parents were a tremendous influence on me growing up. I think they always, they always pushed me to, you know, do what I wanted to do and and explore different options and explore different things. Um, and things at the time that, you know, I think I reflect back on now as an adult that I probably didn't realize were as impactful. Um, but the opportunity, I'm very grateful for, for my upbringing. And I think the opportunity that I had to do things such as, um, outward bound experiences in high school where I would go for two weeks. Um, and there was another similar experience I had with, um, sailing and and scuba diving for three weeks over Mm. one summer. And I went on my own, um, completely independent and just got a chance to kind of figure out, I think, who I was and who I wanted to be and sharing these experiences with all of these different people that also had very different upbringings and um, different experiences. So I think those um, helped to to shape that. But in particular, I definitely think my parents had a, a really big influence on me. And if I think back to maybe not early childhood, but as I was kind of coming out of college and figuring out, like, what the heck I I want to do, and maybe even in college. I think for the longest time, because both of my parents are in finance, and I always thought, oh, I'm good with numbers. I should go into finance. They make a good living. That would be good, and I should I should do that too. And my dad, I distinctly remember, was like, why? Like, why do you want to do that? And I was, well, it's what you do, right? And he's like, you have to figure out what you want to do. Like, what makes you happy? What motivates you? What do you want to do every day? Like, Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about making a good living. Don't worry about that stuff. Find out what you want to do. Do it well. And the rest will follow.
0: That's a great great lesson. Uh, And I think about that right now with my my daughter who's uh, 18 and a senior in high school, just about to go off to college. And she's going to be in the Department of Education. And she keeps coming back and questioning that already, saying, yeah, but, you know, teachers don't make any money. (laughs) So I'm trying to impart upon her the same message that your dad did with you, which is um, find your passion and not that you'll even know what it is at this age. uh, Follow it and the rest will the rest will come. But it's kind of it's a hard uh, and tough for that for people to hear that sometimes and and really trust that that's the case. 100%.
1: 100%. I think if, if if I were sitting in my 18-year-old shoes, I think I probably thought my dad was crazy. But, you know, looking back on it now, it's some of the best advice I think I'd ever been given um, and advice that I still try to give to other people at, at any portion in their career if I'm chatting with them and they're trying to figure out what they want to do. It, you know, you have to find out what's going to make you excited to get up every day and, and get going because if what you're doing is just there to pay the bills, you're never going to be excited you might possibly not ever be actually good at it because you're not motivated to get better at it. Right. Um, and then it's not, it's not going to fall into place, right? So you have to, you have to follow, follow your passions.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great lesson from, um, from your dad. Can you think of, um, any early jobs, anything else, any early jobs that you were a part of or had that also may have in- influenced your leadership development?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I think I had a lot of different types of roles when I was growing up. I, you know, I grew up in rural New Hampshire, so I'm not going to lie. I did have a job on a farm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was not something I enjoyed. That was not a passion I was going to follow. Um, so that was a good lesson to have early on when the stakes were not very high. Um, And I also did a lot of work in the restaurant industry, so client services um, and really understanding the, the operatings of that, I think also really played a a big influence on the type of person I am today.
0: Wow. When you say client services, do you mean being a a server?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So hostess and server, uh, the, the chain that I worked at growing up, um, had, uh, it wasn't a it's not a big fancy chain, but we had, it was a local chain and there were very specific training you had to go through and, uh, client customer experiences and the client is always right. Um, and how do you approach that even when you think the client is wrong and, you know, how do we do our best to service and so that people keep coming back and making sure that we're, you know, maintaining our, our high standards, um, as a, as a restaurant. So that was not something you usually learn when you're, you know, 16. Um, well, I guess I I was probably 18 at the time if I was serving. Um, but even back of house, um, or hostessing before I was 18. Um, you know, those were all things that we were, that we were learning, um, and how to deal with those irate customers as well as the, the happy customers.
0: Yeah it's funny i uh i think back to the, my days I, I waited tables in college and law school and and now i'm a part owner of a restaurant so i see what it how challenging it is to to own a restaurant but i remember those days uh and the lessons i learned as well like you said about the customer service app. but i also learned a lot about culture because i remember having a manager um, in one of the restaurants I worked with that was not a very nice person and ended up uh, going through a situation where we had to file a claim with the employment department because they weren't paying for all the hours we worked or something like that. And I was the one that stood up in the meeting, uh, the staff meeting that they had one day and quit on the spot um, and, uh, had, you know, so sort of taught me the the courage to sort of stand up to a culture that I knew wasn't a good type of culture. And so maybe that was a sign of the, the, the passion I would develop over the years for, um, the impact of how we treat people and the experience that they have and the relationship between that and the, the, the ability to serve the customer or create a profitable business but uh um yeah we I've had a number of people on the podcast too and in those early experiences at Burger King or wherever they worked you know, were really influential in their growth so I'm not surprised that you had those lessons learned
1: yeah i love that story
0: i love yeah. that story
1: i bet it did i bet it t- it really did influence it did influence i do i have those distinct memories as well uh for sure of those moments um it,
0: working in the restaurant. Yeah. So can you think, Emily, of maybe an unexpected learning you had from an unexpected source at some point?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I love this question. I think there is a very distinctive moment in my career that pops right into my head anytime somebody asks me a question like this. And it was one of the, I would say one of, one of my bigger mistakes Um that I made in my professional career, um, but one that I love to share because I think so many people can learn can learn from it. so I was uh, working at a working I was in event marketing at the time, and I was managing a large public event, and I had vendors I was working with, colleagues on my team, volunteers I was coordinating, um, and I was a part of a larger team and this but this was still a a fairly new event for us that was operating around the country and I was in charge of the Boston event. And at the time I also had, and I was, I mean, I was pretty good at my job. You know, I knew what I was doing. I always got everything done and it had all the logistics. And, but at the time I also personally was going through, um, coming back from work after having my first child. Um, so other obligations that I had to do. And I was also a nursing mother at the time. And I had to, in in my my normal, you know, event mode, I go into it and it's like, all right, you just go until you get it done. And that might mean skipping meals and skipping breaks. And you just, you have to go because this has to, this has to go off perfectly. Um, And now I'm in a position where I have to take breaks. I have to take care of myself because I have other priorities and other people that I have to take care of. And so that's kind of my mindset, right, during this time. And it was a multi-day event. And I was running around the facility from one thing to the next, counting on my fingers, like making sure that I everything covered because people were coming at me from all angles and feeling like, wow, I am superwoman. I've got this under control. I am all over all of this. And one of the lead volunteers that I had been working with, who I really didn't know that well, I'd been working with her for you know a couple of days, but really did not know her that well. And she stopped me at one point, got right in front of my face, not in a mean way, but just like really just looked directly at me and said, do you know that every time I try to talk to you, you're looking over my shoulder and you're on to the next thing? Do I have your attention? And I was like, yep. Like, you got it. You got my attention. And she's, and and then she went on to just explain, like, I I really have something I need to talk to you about. And I, and I, I need to know that, you know, we're working together. And I was like, wow, she got my attention for sure. So we talked it through, I immediately apologized. And I think I walked away being like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. But then everything that reverberated after that immediately changed me and still something I think about today in my career of I thought I had everything under control. I thought I was superwoman. I thought everything was going and in the meantime the perception that I was giving to everyone else was I was frantic, I was always on to the next thing and I wasn't actually valuing the people that I was working with or or giving them the time and attention that they needed. And immediately that stopped me, right? And so now in that moment and even going forward, it's, okay, you need to take a step back. (laughs) What is the perception that you are giving every single time that you're interacting with people and is what your intention matching that perception and making sure that I'm slowing down to making sure that that's all going as planned. So that for sure was one of those unexpected learnings um, that stopped me in my tracks. and unexpected source, and I think after that, I also went back and took a break and did all those things that I needed to do for my daughter back home because I wasn't I wasn't actually focusing on the right things. Um, so that was that was a very impactful moment.
0: Yeah, great uh, great story and and such a wonderful lesson. And in a way, um, good that you learned that pretty early in your career. And something that I think is safe to say we're all always working on, which is the idea of just being present and focused on not only the moment, but the person that's in front of us that we're talking to. And I think there's two sides to the challenge that um, both need to be addressed. One is what you said, which is the perception you create on those you're interacting with. The other is that you can't possibly be being your best and being as productive or, or as good as you think you are, or as you could be, if you're not completely paying attention, if your mind is focused on the next thing, if you're sort of looking over their shoulder, if you're thinking about, you know, what you're going to say before they finish telling you, if you're not listening, and so it seems so basic, but um, it's great that that she had the courage to to challenge you with that, and uh, and uh, as you said, a great lesson learned along the way. Um, so uh, I want to bring you back, Emily, to the to the work that you do today, Acceleration Partners, and you do such a great job with it. I said you've you've uh, helped us out in the Small Giants Leadership Academy, teach next generation leaders um, about best practices in training, development, culture development. Can you think of a couple examples of these best practices that you guys have been able to implement at Acceleration Partners uh, and that you get joy out of teaching to others? And it turns out that the uh, podcast is going to be released in this month where we have this whole theme about best practices and training and development. So um, so be real specific. Give me a couple good examples.
1: Yeah. So in um... – Best practices specifically in, sorry, specifically in training and development or best practices in
0: culture as well? Whichever you choose, training. any, any, or, any and all. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so let me, well, that's a really good question. So in training and development, we have, we invest a lot in our training and development. And I think that not every company treats training and development the same way. Um, we definitely
0: are,
1: are a company that, that values training and training and development very highly from the top down, right from our CEO, this is important. Our one of our core values in our organization is to excel and improve. <laughs> so right there, it tells you that we are always sort of training, learning, growing, and developing. And one of the best practices that I think that actually makes some of our training and development so impactful for everyone that goes through it, well there's well there's many components, is how our content is created. And our content is created by our people, so we don't have we don't have the luxury of using an outside resource or an outside vendor to create our content for us. And while we do use content that is um, sort of prepackaged content, a lot of our focused learning comes from the people that are actually on the teams. So it's a mix of self learning and sometimes there are live trainings, but the People on the teams that are the experts, they are the ones that are doing it on a day-to-day basis, they understand what to look out for, they understand the pitfalls, the traps, um, and what can be the difference between good and great. They are the ones that are creating the content for the trainings, they are the ones that are delivering the content for the training, and then whether it's a live training or potentially a pre-recorded training, they're also the contact if you have more questions. So as a new employee or somebody that's, you know, maybe taking development courses along the way and you're working on this new training program and you have all these questions coming out of it, you actually now have a colleague that you can go call and ask and ask those questions and they can be there to support you and they are an expert in that area. So for us, I think that specifically in our um, industry and what we do in in affiliate marketing and partner marketing, what we do is so specific um, that it really resonates and makes our training very strong. And that's specifically something that we get a lot of feedback on um, from from our new hires um, and folks that go through our training programs.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. Speaking of new hires, I know that uh, you have a a unique process to recruit great talent. Um, What are what are a couple of examples of what you do uh, in order to try to find the best people?
1: Yeah, so we, I think we, we do a mix. So obviously, we are um, and we're, we're going out and looking for talent. We have inbound talent and we have talent that we're going out and we're looking for. Um, and so so we're going out and looking for talent and, and we have inbound talent. So but no matter which way that talent actually comes, comes into us and we start interviewing and, and looking at that talent, we are really making sure that we are looking for the best talent that we have out there. And we go through a Very standardized process where we have questions that we're asking them, questions on skills for the job set, questions on cultural attributes. Are they going to be happy here? Um, Are they going to um, thrive in the different types of attributes that we hold strong and value here as an organization? Um, we also give them the good and the bad because not every company is perfect for everyone and, and we want them to choose us just as much as we want to choose them. So we're going through that process. We give them really real life scenarios, um, to test their skills so they can talk the talk, but can they walk the walk? Can they do it? And we bring them through a pretty, um, a, a pretty rigorous Process uh, a four-step process uh, to get them to to the interview pr- through through the interview process, and at the end of the interview process, to answer your question, to ensure you know how are we always making sure we're bringing on the best talent. We have what we call is a hiring committee, which brings everyone together, every interviewer that touched that candidate during the interview process, and an unbiased third party and somebody else that can help to make sure that we're you know keeping us honest. And we go through all the questions, make sure that they've really nailed it on everything and all of those different skills that we've determined are, um, you know, must have qualifications for the role. And then we ask them, we ask a few questions and they include, you know, do we believe that this person holds all of our core values? Uh, Do we believe this person has the right confidence for the role? And, And one of my favorite questions, do we believe this person raises the bar? and we believe the bar is already really high, <laughs> which is great, but we also want to ensure that every single person we bring onto the team is at that bar and higher, because if we are continually bringing people in that we believe are going to raise that standard on the team and raise the bar and bring in a new set of skills and, and, and really be able to thrive, we're continuing to make everyone around them better. Whereas if we ha- start to get in the habit of bringing people in that they're good, they check the boxes, but probably not as good as everyone else on the team or might not raise the bar over time, we're lowering the bar. So, you know, that that's a really important question for us.
0: I think that's a great one. And I think what you're speaking to overall is the rigor that you put into it um, to make sure that you reduce reduce the risk of making a mistake, right? We don't, nobody bats a thousand percent when we're hiring, but um, if you put in the time and effort and you have uh, multiple voices chiming in and you, you combine the balance of skill and, and fit uh, in unique ways like you've been able to do, um, you increase your chance of success. Those are great, great best practices. Um, as you think about uh, your own leadership journey, Emily, can you think of a um, a really tough, humbling decision that you've had to make as a leader? Yeah,
1: I think this is probably. I would, I guess, I'm venturing to guess a, a similar um, similar decision that that other leaders have had to make along the way, and it, and it usually revolves around people um, and having really great, wonderful people on your team. That when you hired them, they were the right person for the role everything is great. Um, but as you continue to evolve as an organization or as that role continues to evolve or that person continues to evolve, things start to shift and change. Um, and you know, specifically along my career, I, I know I've, I've come to this challenge where I've had individuals on my team that they are wonderful. They are great people, really enjoy them as individuals, love to hang out with them socially outside of work, but it's a really hard decision when you have to look at the the business side of it and say, but they're no longer the right person for this seat. Yeah. Um, so when we look at it, it's right person, right seat, and right time. So somebody that might have fit all three of those at one point, as your organization evolves and they're no longer it's no longer the right time or the right seat. Um, you know, those can be really, really hard decisions to have to make to, to have to move on from that
0: person. Yeah, but I think it, if I am listening to you and how you recruited, it's the same philosophy around coming to terms with that tougher decision that you have to make and like that three prong of right person, right seat, right time. I mean, if you're evaluating that honestly along the way, it it, uh, it helps you get to that decision. Uh, and then if you can do it in the compassionate way, you'll support the the values and the culture that you've, you've tried to build. Uh, as you're continuing to grow, learn and improve yourself, can you think of an area of leadership that you'd like to still improve on?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I think even tying back into my, into my example a little bit before about that unexpected learning from that unexpected source, I think that still, still resonates in my mind always of, am I, am I always giving that Perception um, that I want, right? And does that perception and in my intent, whether it is a personal interaction, whether it is a communication, or whether it is um, a, a training or something that I'm facilitating, how wide is that gap, right? And I always want to make sure that that gap is really short and really narrow, <laughs> um, and that my intent and what I am hoping to portray and to give as a message um really matches the perception that that person is is taking in on the other side. So so that's a skill I think I'm always um, really really focused on and, and when I think about that at, at the leadership level, that is also that um, you know I, I I think back to somebody in in my professional career that is a, a strong mentor for me and she has this poise and, brilliance about her that you come away from a conversation and you just feel better for having it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, I strived, that's something that I strive for. I, I, that's the person I always want to be. Um, and with that comes that other person's perception. Right. And, and if my intent and my desire is to be that, you know, is that the perception that I'm giving on the other side? So I don't know. I, I don't think I figured out how to, measure that exactly yet um i think as an individual it's hard to, to to measure that for yourself but i'll have to potentially figure out how to do that for sure
0: well uh speaking of measurement of that one of the guests that i had ramon shada who leads the junto institute had a wonderful tool uh for um managing and measuring that aspect of the perception that others have of these human interactions and his was to try to find time literally after every interaction to stop and simply ask himself how did i do and and just by asking himself that question he's then reflecting on the other person or people that he was talking to and how he came off and the impression he made and so the best way for him to measure was to try to uh, self-reflect and do it as in real time as possible. I thought that was a really interesting practice.
1: I love that. Yeah. 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 I love that. I think that's, I think that's really great. Uh, we can always use a little self-reflection in our day. So yeah, for I,
0: might sure. have,
1: I might have to give that a shot for
0: sure. So Emily, if you, if you, uh, were talking to a younger person who's maybe started in the, starting out in their career, what kind of advice would you give to them, um, around, um, growing as a leader or growing in their own career?
1: Yeah, you know, I might steal the words of my father, um, and, and say you you have to you have to have your own you have to have an inner journey as well, right? You have to find out what motivates you, uh, what are you passionate about, what's going to get you excited to get up every day, and those are the things that are really going to help you propel your success future on. Um, and that's not always easy, right? But I think that would be my advice: is to try to 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 do some of that inner journey, like whether that's reaching out to a mentor, whether that's reading reaching out to a trusted friend that's willing to give you some honest feedback on things. Uh, Maybe it's taking one of those behavioral assessments or, you know, what motivates you and and kind of piecing all of that together um, to kind of figure out who, who you are as an individual. What do you bring to the table? What excites you? And then, you know, start to navigate that path.
0: Yeah, I think that's just great. Um, I think it's about being vulnerable too. And that's how you open up to that friend or mentor or test or assessment, whatever it is, um, to get to that. And I think, again, as um, you discovered early on and as I talked to my daughter about the chance that we're going to find that passion, um, that early in life is pretty small. And I feel like if we have good values and work hard then life comes to us in positive ways and eventually that passion um, arrives and sometimes in ways or forms or timing that we don't necessarily expect and if we're lucky enough to have a trade or become a a professional athlete that then we're just lucky right (laughs) but most of us don't have that and, uh, and we're in this constant search, and that really ne- never ends, no matter what age you are or where you are in your career. So I think that's a great um, lesson for young people to learn. Um,
1: one, thing I would, one thing I would even add to that is just what you just said, and, and that I, don't be afraid to take a chance. So I, mm-hmm. you know, two times in my career, I actually took what physically on paper looked like a step back. And the people, some people around me thought I was a little crazy and I was like, but this is what I want to do. Like, this excites me. This makes me so happy. And both times that I made that decision, I actually very quickly propelled higher than I would have been had I stayed on that other path. So it's, you know, taking that chance on yourself when you really believe in yourself, you know, once you've done that inner journey and you know, like, you got to bet on yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And, and um, a lot of times uh, in the community and even on the podcast, we've talked to people that are owners or founders of their businesses, and we talk about entrepreneurs and risk takers, et cetera. It's no different for someone like you who's grown their career, is a senior leader in a very successful company, and you did it the same way. Whether you own the company or you don't is really not the point. It's it's the ability to be vulnerable, to take risk to take chances. We're not always going to make the right decisions, but if in your gut you feel like it's the right thing to do, you're willing to take that risk. And guess what? Look where you are today. And and I don't think uh, you've achieved yet what you're going to achieve, Emily. I think it's uh, you're making tremendous contribution, uh, not only to Acceleration Partners, but to other companies who are learning about uh, your best practices and leadership. Um, I want to close with these five quick hit questions like the, um, association game, just kind of tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, can you name a leader that you look up to? Uh,
1: so yeah, I alluded to this before, but, um, the, the woman that's been my, my sort of informal, somewhat formal, potentially mentor for the last, probably about 15 years. Um, And her name is uh, Liz Ramos and she is the managing director of of global human capital um, of a company here in Boston.
0: Fantastic. That's a great one. How about a great book that influenced your leadership style?
1: Yes. uh, One of my absolute favorite books is called The Coaching Habit. Uh, I forget exactly who it is by, but it's talk less um ask more questions uh just really focused on on how to be a great coach and that is
0: such a good read i recommend it for everyone good one do you have an all time favorite movie uh
1: I- I'd have to say Elf. <laughs> um, I, you know, working in talent and culture is is hard sometimes. Uh, people are dynamic, so when I'm in my off and downtime, I I definitely like a good comedy. So
0: Elf is one of my favorites. That's definitely our family favorite holiday tradition. Uh, As <laughs> well, that's a great one. Do you have a favorite TV series you like to binge watch?
1: You know, I I'm always binge. But I think it's binge watching different, I don't have any that I'm binge watching right now. However, um, on any typical, uh, Sunday morning, you're very likely to find me watching some good old HGTV, uh, you know, back to back episodes of, uh, house remodeling.
0: Um, those definitely are, are some of my favorites. Very good. I can see how those are addicting. And lastly, (laughs) uh, what is something about you that many people don't know?
1: Um, yeah, you know, it's always such
0: a hard question.
1: I'd have to say, honestly, like I really don't like to cook. And that is one thing that I will outsource any single time that I have the opportunity. So whether that's my husband is a great cook or order out or getting some prepared meals to bring home, that is just not just definitely not something that, that, uh, that I like to do. So I don't know if many people know that about me, but I, not my thing.
0: That's all right. That's all right. Well, join the club. I don't, I, I don't really like to cook either. I don't know what it is. I just don't, I don't know if I have the patience for it, but I, <laughs> if I, when I see a recipe with like 20 things in it, I just get scared away. So, um, we find other ways, but, uh, you contribute in many other ways. Um, uh, Emily, this is just great. I, I want to reflect on, What I heard you say, and maybe some things I took away and learned, um, I love how you um, identified culture as being like an ongoing event from your event planning days and and that culture is a living, breathing thing. It's an experience for our employees. It's not a project. It's it's ongoing and we always have to uh, kind of water that garden and pay attention to it. Um, I love your discussions about the varied experiences that you had as a child and the lessons from your parents, particularly from your dad, um, to figure out what you want to do and that everything will work out okay. And uh, you, you had a way because you, both your folks were in finance to just say, "Oh, I may go down that road," but your dad was great to be able to say, "No, you don't have to follow our lead. Um, do what you want to do. Don't worry so about uh, so much about the money um, that will come." You also found what. Um, not to do you know you said you worked uh you did some farming for a while and and uh realized okay farming wasn't a passion um you learned great lessons working in the restaurant about you know the customer experience um i love the 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 big lesson that you learned from the volunteer at the boston event who uh upon uh, approaching you um really challenged you and had the courage to say, look, Emily, it seems like every time I talk to you, you're kind of looking out in the distance or your mind is somewhere else. Uh, hit you hard, but it um, gave you uh, a great lesson about what it means to create a perception in others about uh, you being focused on them and being focused on the right thing. And uh, I think that's something all of us can learn from and are always working on. Um Within your own company, you've taken some of these lessons and developed some great best practices, Uh, even in your own company. It's look we don't always have to buy books or take stuff off the shelf. You've got a lot of traction out of internally created content and delivered by your own team because there's so much talent and passion within the the own team. Uh, I like how you talked about how in recruiting, we're as focused on not just making sure that they're that candidate is good for us, but that that we as a company are good for them. And so we're very open, honest, vulnerable about the good and bad and the ugly about our company so that they can make a decision for them. And that's not something um, all companies do. Um, Even talking about how you hire by kind of committee and and, uh, a more holistic approach to making sure that we have this balance of uh, fit and skill and we ask this question, does this person raise the bar? And if we're honest with the ourselves and reflect on that, it's a great way to measure whether we uh, hope to have the right uh, person there. Uh, and then the lessons uh, that the lessons that you would like to share uh, with others um, to make sure that you find out what motivates you, however you get to that and however long that takes and whether you open up to mentors, friends, uh, go through that inner journey and don't be afraid to take a chance. Uh, And I think that that as we grow in our careers, grow as leaders as you've done, those are great lessons um, to learn. And so love your stories and and, and, uh, wish you just continued success, Emily, and really appreciate you sharing it with us today.
1: Thank you so much. It was really fun to be here.
0: And thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please support the show by subscribing to hear future episodes. Until next time.